Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever had plans or goals suddenly be interrupted by life? Have you ever had a promise from God get totally thrown off course? Sometimes it seems that no matter how well we're prepared, some things just don't go according to our plans. Here's where faith comes in. We're not talking about blind faith, but rather believing and trusting that God has a plan and nothing catches Him by surprise. Today, we begin a new series in the life of Abraham called Venturing into the Unknown. So let's join Pastor Jim in part one of his message, God's Preparation for His Promises. Many of us have plans, many of us have goals, even promises from God, but sometimes life just interrupts them. Years ago when Tom Landry was the head of the Dallas Cowboys, he was fired, sort of found out about it in the newspaper, and he told his friend Chuck Swindoll, he wasn't really worried about it, and he said to him, it's okay if you are prepared. Some things in life we can prepare for. Some of you have done things, you know, maybe schooling or something like that. You've prepared for for years, but other things you're just not prepared for or you don't think you are. They just seem to come upon us. How many of you thought this year would turn out like this year? None of us. Yet for a follower of Jesus, looking back in the rearview mirror, we often see that God has been preparing us all along for what we are going through. The title of our message today is God's Preparation for His Promises, a a part of a new series called Venturing into the Unknown. Venturing into the Unknown. uh, The world right now finds itself in a similar situation where we are venturing into the unknown. So really, this is nothing new. It's just a different time period. We set the scene that that the Bible presents us with a creator God who's on a mission. He has created people in his image, and we are to rule, probably a better word in our vocabulary, is to care for his earth. We are to obey what he tells us to do, and we are to be a blessed people. But humanity, we blew it, and we rebelled against God. And in Genesis chapter 3, God made a promise that through the seed of a woman, now normally you say the seed comes from the man, through the seed of a woman, that our rebellion would be overruled. Now, the results of mankind's rebellion are all throughout history for sure, but they're specifically recorded in the Scripture in chapters 3 through 11, climaxing in what we know as the Tower of Babel, which was, if you will, mankind's unified arrogance and rebellion against God. It's like they all got together and said, all right, we've had it with God. We're going to fix him, and we're going to do whatever it is that we want to do. And this was a time of great confusion and darkness in the world. It was a time of hopelessness for many. And after that, people were scattered and living without God, very similar to what you might say goes on in our world today as there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of hopelessness, there are a lot of people that are scattered and living without God. But you think, 
after God setting the people up in the world and after the rebellion and after all that was you know, going on and then they, they really, all the people get together decide to rebel against God, you think that God would back on his word. You think that God would call it quits. Most of us would, wouldn't we? <laughs> We'd be like, that's it, and he, he is so long. But instead of that, God calls a man named Abram, uh, He'll be called, change his name will be called, changed to Abraham, so I'll be using those names interchangeably. And his wife, Sarai, who becomes Sarah, again, I'll use those names interchangeably. And he calls them to take the world in a new direction. Traditionally, if you've studied this group of passages before, you have began the study in chapter 12 with what we call the call of Abram. But in chapter 11, I think what we see is the beginning of the call. We see actually it begins with God's answer to the rejection of mankind and the rejection of God. And it's interesting, God answers mankind's rejection with grace. Now, grace is an interesting term. I know there's catchy ways to define it. But if you can really define it, I would either say that you're a better man or woman than me, that's not saying much, but, or that perhaps you haven't fully understood it. I hope that I never fully understand the grace of God. I'm, I'm looking forward to the lifelong discovery of what the grace of God means for me and for those around me. Because the reality is, grace makes no sense. And I would say this, if you expect it, it's not grace. (laughs) Because grace comes to you at the most unexpected of times. Abram was such an important figure to so many people. How many people claim ownership of him? Judaism does. Islam does. Christianity does. That is a significant portion of the world. (laughs) And now, at this point in time in history, Abram becomes the man of God's new beginnings. And his life, I think, reminds us how quietly God is often preparing his people, even when life seems completely hopeless. So let's go back a few thousand years, and let's... Look at this man. Verse 27, this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram. Uh, That name means father. He will become Abraham, which means father of many nations. So he's going to become a big deal. So Terah begot Abram. It means that Terah had a son named Abram. Nahor and Haran. So there's three brothers. Haran begot Lot. We're going to see more of Lot as we go through the life of Abraham. Verse 28, and Haran died before his father Terah. So now there's, there was three brothers, now there's two. Terah has lost his son. In his native land, Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, Chaldeans are, we, we've studied this in our Old Testament studies, those are the Babylonians. When we hear of Ur of the Chaldeans, sometimes we think of some of these Bible characters of just these guys that are out in the middle of nowhere all the time. So Abraham was a city boy. He started out as a city boy in Ur. So here we have three brothers, 
and two of them had the experience of the horrible, premature death of their brother. Some in our congregation in the spring and even recently have experienced the loss of a brother or sister. For their father, Tara, and by the way, Lot lost his father. Maybe that explains some of the things about Lot, I don't know. For their father, Tara, he experienced what I'm told is perhaps the greatest pain in all of life. He lost a child. Many people in our congregation have lost children. And I would include in that all of you or the people in our congregation who have had abortions and now you wish you hadn't, who have had miscarriages. Very, very painful. Now you say, but, but if he had a son named Lot, he was a grown man, Pastor Jim. Some of you know the story of my uncle's funeral. My uncle was 66. I actually grew up in the same town with him, and he was cutting the lawn, and he just dropped dead on the front lawn while he was cutting the lawn. My grandmother, who lived to be just short of 99, just short of 100, she died like 99 in 10 months or something like that. She had 13 brothers and sisters. She grabbed me at my uncle's funeral and held on to me tightly. And I'll never forget this. She said to me, I buried my mother and father. I buried 13 brothers and sisters and every single one of their spouses. I buried two husbands. But nothing in my life, nothing has ever hurt like this. You know, when I was a younger follower of Jesus, I had great answers for that stuff. I had great theological answers that were correct, but not worth a hill of beans to hurting people. Not helpful at all to hurting people. I mean, personally, I have gone through losing my own father. I lost my little sister. I've lost several, several close friends, and the pain, well, to be honest with you, it's prepared me in an odd way. Certainly, each death and each sorrow has made me softer, less hard-charging, I think, and certainly each one of those has made me learn how to cling to God more. Verse 29 says, Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. Then verse 30, which I think is the key verse to this section. But Sarai was barren. What does that mean? We're told she had no child. So, more pain in the family. The pain of a husband and wife who want children, uh, but who are unable to have them. Truly a test of faith. You know, I can remember as a young boy, some of you know this about my family, some of you don't. uh, After I was born, about six months after I was born, my mother got sick and she had an operation and was no longer to have any more children. My understanding is that today that would be a routine operation and it would be fine. 
And I could remember the stress that my parents were going through. I could see it on their faces, and they were prepping me for the interviews for when the adoption agency would come for my brother and sister to come live with us. Historically, in their culture, not to have children, there was great shame associated with that. You know, I've heard sermons about it uh, that seemingly think that people who want to have children and don't have them today don't feel any sense of, of, of shame or sadness about that, like it's, like it's all okay. And I'm thinking to myself, that sounds like a typical sermon a man would give. Or you're not supposed to question God, you're supposed to just have faith. I think if you watched our sermons on the Psalms that you real, over the summer, you realize that a lot of the Bible writers had a lot of questions to God. They had a lot of things that they weren't too happy about, and they let God know about it. God's a big boy. He can handle it. Once again, when people can't have children, there are great theological answers, great for Bible college, great for seminary, great for maybe a Sunday school class, but not helpful for people going through such pain. It's an individual pain. Breaks your heart. Just as having kids breaks your heart. (laughs) They break your heart whether you have them or whether you don't. (laughs) One thing we see in in Genesis, it's very odd, and even throughout the scripture, that, that not being able to have kids is actually fairly typical in the Messiah's line. It's fairly typical of Jesus's family line. Sadly, it was often considered to be the woman's fault why, in reality, they need God's help, as do all of us. Well, what's their faith like? You wonder, what is their faith like at this time? Well, Joshua actually tells us at the very end of his book, Joshua 24.2 says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, this is a long time after Abraham and Sarah, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Particularly in that area, they served the moon god, the moon god. So let's be honest. At the outset, Abraham was an unbeliever. Let's be more honest. Abraham was raised a pagan. (laughs) I think it's a great reminder to all of us that your background in which you grew up in and where you came from doesn't change God's plan for your life. A lot of times when we would do outreaches, I would talk to people and I would say, well, you, did you come from any kind of religious upbringing? And a lot of people would say, no, nothing, not at all. I would say, oh, good for you. <laughs> they would look at me like I was crazy. But I would say, you don't have all the bad stuff you need to undo. You're a clean slate. I said, can I tell you a simple 60-second story about Jesus? Yeah, Sure. Verse 31, and Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot. Abram will become, step in as some sort of a, a father figure for his brother's son, the son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. So that's the plan. They're going to go to the promised land. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So they stop. 
They don't go all the way to the promised land. They come to this land of Haran. They stop there. Verse 32, so the days of Terah were 205 years. The ages are, in, in the book of Genesis, they, get, they seem very old, but they're getting younger and younger as the book is moving on. And Terah died in Haran. So Terah sets out with his family to Canaan, Mesopotamia, but he stops in Haran. I wonder why. Just kind of questions I ask myself when I study the scripture. Why? Was the pain of life too much for him? Did he lose the will to go on? I mean, it's easy for that to happen, isn't it? It's easy to lose the will to go on. It's easy to start to think, do I want to continue on? Those of you who are older and you have the possibility of retiring, you probably wake up a lot of mornings and go, do I want to still keep doing this? Then you get out the door and you're like, I'm kind of glad I'm still doing this. What would I do if I didn't do this? It's the up and down emotions and stuff like that. This is why, as we studied over the summer on Sundays, we need to abide in Christ. Otherwise, we'll be left to our own devices making silly, silly decisions. Was it compromise? Was it when he went to this other place? Was, it, was the pull of the other gods too strong for him? Was he too weak to seek after the living God? I don't know. Either way, right now, when you look at his family, the Tower of Babel has scattered everybody. His family is at a dead end. It seems like the world is at a dead end with God. And he dies, and so will his family's name. That's why there was the importance of having a son. And there is no son to carry on his name. While it was his father that took Abraham from Ur, it will be his heavenly father, that Abraham must follow now. Now, we don't really get this from Genesis. We get it later on. We'll read it in a second, the book of Acts, that Abraham had heard the call to leave his family and their religion earlier, and he was confronted with this. No longer can family and prosperity be more important than the Lord. And these are the things, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to encounter I mean, you're going to go do things that your family is going to think is absolutely ridiculous. They're going to think that you're crazy. And in some ways, you are. From their perspective, it makes no sense. I got a real good sense of this on Friday night. Friday night, Pam and I watched, if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie, the Jeremy Camp movie that came out. With the, with the death of his first wife. I don't want to spoil it for you. So I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, which I always look up, see how it does there, if you know that, that website. And the critics gave it like this pathetically low score. Like it was pathetic. And the audience gave it 98%. So what does that tell you? We're different. We are different people. We look at the world differently. 
People looked at that movie and critics looked at it and were like, this is baloney. I mean, get the tissues out for this one, trust me. But, but people are like, this is, this is a horrible movie. It's not good at all. It's not worth your time. And the people who of faith who watched it said, wow, this was really something. This is really something. Now, if you're watching it and you think, oh, I don't know about this, I think the last scene with his father is probably worth the price of admission. After Jesus died, father, by the way, a Calvary Chapel pastor. After Jesus died and rose from the dead and descended to heaven, in the New Testament book of Acts, when the early church is really rolling, Stephen is talking to the religious leaders. It says this, Acts 7, 2 through 4, and he, Stephen, said, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So this is back in chapter 11. And said to him, get out of your country. <laughs> we might say run. And from your relatives. Very interesting. Family was everything to these people. He says, you need to leave your land and your family and come to a land that I will show you. <laughs> now, how many of us will do that? Lord, where are we going? I'll show you. <laughs> right? Lord, what's the plan? I'll show you. <laughs> What's going to happen when we get there? I'll show you. <laughs> How am I going to feed everybody? I'll show you. What am I supposed to do? I'll show you. You know, that's what it means to follow God. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That you're just going to follow him where he takes you. Verse 4. Then he came, Stephen goes on, then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran, and from there, when his father was dead, watch this, he, God, moved him to this land in which you now dwell. Perhaps the experience of, of moving from Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran taught Abraham, prepared him to move again. We just moved, we still live in the area. Pam and I are both like, we're dying in this house. <laughs> of course, unless God tells us we got to move again. Often, God's calls are costly calls. To leave the comfortable for the uncomfortable. Now, if that strikes you as being the wrong thing to say, that's because that is not the American way. We don't follow God to, for less comfort. We don't do anything for less comfort. We do everything that we do for more comfort. You say, explain that, Pastor Jim. Well, rarely do we seek the counsel of God. Most people rarely, rarely do. If so, it's, a, it's really a passing thing. You know, when Pam and I discussed moving, it was something that God had laid on both of our hearts for quite a while. That had to do with our house and, and how it affects my illness. If you don't know, I have a neurological disorder. So it had to do with that. I remember when I first was in my basement on a Saturday morning and really knew that God was calling me to sell. I had a few different business units and to sell them and to and to go into ministry and came upstairs and Pam was there with her Bible and I 
sat on the ottoman and she was in the chair and I said, you know, I, I really think that God wants me to sell parts of our company or all of it and, and to pursue the ministry, which I knew my family and friends and my accountant and everybody would think was the big, I had this really great business. They were like, what an idiot you are. I'd finally gotten to the point in time where I had the staff that was really allowing me to live a little bit. And so I told Pam that, and I was, you know, expecting for her to be like, what, are you crazy? And she kind of glanced at me, and she was like, I think the Lord told me about that about six months ago. <laughs> and then she was like, can I keep doing my quiet time? <laughs> but we don't really seek the counsel of the Lord. We don't really seek the counsel of wise followers of Jesus who are our friends. You know, we want to hear something almost comical. Do you know that years ago, people used to actually go talk to their pastor before they made big decisions? That is like almost never happens. I've asked a lot of pastors about that. That like almost never happens. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ, no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.